Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast concludes our visit to Iowa today. We'll be in Cedar Rapids with Patrick Tecklenburg and Patrick the Gathering. And we'll get with them after we talk about Kitty's Litter Box. It's really simple. You buy Kitty's Litter Box. Open the box, place the litter in the box, introduce the box to your cat when they're done doing their business. Then maybe a month or so, you close the box and throw it away. That's it. Just close the box Grab the handle of this biodegradable box and throw it away. Perfect for traveling with your favorite feline. It's affordable. It's convenient. The only thing I hated about cats, and I don't know how it became my job, but it was that litter box duty. If Kitty's litter box were around 20 years ago, who knows? I might still have cats. Kitty's litter box, all lowercase, kittyslitterbox.com. Order today. It's perfect. We're with Patrick Tecklenburg, who performs as a solo act as well as with his band Patrick the Gathering. How long have you been playing music, Patrick? Um, I started playing the trombone when I was 10, and um, as far as band class in school, and then when I was 14, I started playing the guitar. Uh, when I was 16, I'd say, is when I really started singing. Eventually, I got <clears throat> into playing harmonica, too and uh i play bass and drums as well um not as well as guitar harmonica or vocals but um i would say those are my areas of expertise it's been a long time since i touched a trombone but every once yeah. in a while i i think that would be cool but you still got a bone uh, bone to pick no i don't i don't have a trombone anymore it's like i said i have not touched one in a long time but who knows who knows where the future Holds. Think uh, you think you could pick it up again? Uh, I could pick it up again and uh, play some notes. If you, yeah, I yeah, but you know, I wouldn't say I ever got super skilled at it. But uh -huh. just there's a like your style is pretty traditional rock and roll, I guess I would call it right. Yeah, alternative new wave, but mostly mm. traditional rock and roll. <laughs> I don't I don't get too deep into the uh, the subgenres um, yeah. as a personal belief i guess because um i guess and i i hate the term singer songwriter too because that doesn't really say anything about like the sound or the sonics of you know because a lot of singer songwriters will do stuff in various styles and i guess I, that's kind of where i see myself um so i don't know if I, I it's just genre tags labels whatever i i'm just gonna write songs and i just call it rock and roll and, yeah. and i use the term outlaw country too because some of the stuff I do kind of has that twang to it and has been heavily influenced by uh, people that you associate with that sort of uh, movement, if you will. Um, and I think my vocals uh, work in that sort of an outfit better. So I don't know. Well, where I was going with that was that uh, because it's like, uh, you know, rock and roll, rock and roll's roots are in, in the blues. And if you wanted to, do a little funk something or a little a little different twist on the blues you could add some horns and right. with the way everybody does their own recording now and they overdub this and overdub that and so on and so forth i didn't know if there was be an opportunity for you to visit one of your songs and say what would that sound like with horns <laughs> and then you could you know 
play horns on top well, of it. That's the kind of recording I'm trying to get away from. I just, I'm looking at making a record soon and I yep. just want everything live in the studio with a few overdubs. And uh, yeah, a brass section would be great, but um, let's wait till I start getting paid like Bruce yeah. Springsteen to uh, venture into that territory, you know, so. So Cedar Rapids, uh, what's the, what's playing Cedar Rapids like? What, what's the, how receptive is the market to live music and, and original music? <clears throat> so Cedar Rapids um, and Iowa City are kind of like the yin to the other's yang. Um, Iowa City is a college town with the Big Ten University, research university, um, a lot of money from Chicago, a lot of people from Chicago uh, living there temporarily. Um, the Iowa Writers Workshop is there, which is, you know, like Kurt Vonnegut taught there briefly. So that's, oh. it's one of a small number of UNESCO cities of literature. Um, and it's smaller than Cedar Rapids by maybe 50,000 people if you count the whole metro area. Uh -huh. um, but combined the whole, if you combine them both and all that people, it's smaller than Des Moines, which is a capital city two, two hours away. Um, anyhow, so Iowa City, you see more of the um, younger, um, more indie style bands trying to make it, that sort of thing. Um, and not, you know, they got like a good rock club there that like Nirvana played at years ago. They got the poster when you walk in. You know, everybody's yeah. been through there probably yeah. in their younger days. It's called Gabe's. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Gabe's. Um, Have you played so, there? Uh, that's, uh, I haven't played like upstairs on their main stage. They do like local shows pretty regularly, but um I have yet to uh, to grace that stage, but they have like a smaller area downstairs. They do like a jam night every Tuesday with my friend Dan from the band Maze with three A's hosts, and that's where I met my uh, guitar player in Patrick the Gathering. His name's Todd Porter. Um, so that's kind of been a spe somewhat special place to me, and I've been to a lot of shows there, but. Cedar Rapids is a more, much more of a blue-collar town. It's um, 25 miles north of Iowa City. Like I said, it's a lot bigger, um, a lot more spread out. It's the second biggest city in Iowa. Um, we got a lot of factories it's where they make Cap'n Crunch, and um, every once in a while, the whole town smells like Cap'n Crunch, like <laughs> Crunch Berries, which is cool, uh, or not, depending on what your tastes are. But Cedar Rapids, a uh, lot more bluesy, blues music, uh, jam bands, cover bands, if you will. A mm -hmm. um, lot of bar gigs. It's much harder to find just a bar gig in Iowa City. Yeah. Um, whereas they have some cool music venues that would might like turn their noses up to you if you just want to make a few bucks and play some songs with your band they want more of like the original music um and so but like i said it's it's the yin to the yang i feel like the one the one city being the way it is makes the other city more of the way that it is as far as music goes mm -hmm. um but regardless you know they're both a lot more affordable to live in than chicago or minneapolis and they get every bit as cold. Well, not as cold as Minneapolis. <laughs> I did. I lived there for three years, but um, 
you know, it's, I like living here because I come from a really small town in the middle of nowhere. And like I said, I also lived in Minneapolis, but this is kind of the happy medium between um, yeah. the, the big city where you don't know anybody and life is just hard <laughs> um, for a small town guy like me. Um, and the, uh, just the, the sort of vacant boredom that can sometimes come with living in a rural area. Um, but here in Cedar Rapids, I mean, there's, you know, I kind of have my pulse on the culture a little bit, just kind of being a part of the music scene as much as I am. So I always know what's going on, but you know, even as far as like national touring acts and stuff, there's, there's always stuff going on. And even if Iowa Hawkeye football isn't your thing, there's all sorts of stuff. Now, if you come from New York city, you might think it's pretty boring. You might be bored. But, um, you know, it's, it works for me. So as far as the music scene, then you're, you're an indie or you don't do covers or do you do covers? Does Patrick? Most of what I do is just covers. I mean, I, I, it's, it's kind of a loaded term, especially around here. There was some big dispute a few years ago about these original bands getting yeah. angry at the cover bands that were getting all the good gigs and whatever. And I wasn't a part of that or anything, but I know that it, it exists and the fallout is still there to see. But, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm in a cover band where we just play like big hits and try to, you know, um, just that's not really our M.O., um, but most of the songs we play are other people's songs. You know, I, I play a lot of like deep cuts from Tom Waits and stuff. And so to say it's a cover band, I feel like doesn't um, do that description justice. Right. But, you know, it's just we sprinkle in the original songs. Um, and I, uh, you know, have not necessarily a plan, but just a system of just continually writing continually recording putting it out into the world and if you like it you know uh we can't really afford for us to fly to see you in texas or wherever you or denmark or wherever you may be located but maybe someday you want to take a vacation to see the uh monthly patrick the gathering show here in cedar rapids because you just love that one song so much but that's right I, that has yet to happen but i'm, I'm holding out that candle of hope that's well that's the, the big plan here with the podcast is if this continues to grow the way it's growing right now by year five. And that's in my business plan by year five, we'll be doing live shows. We will have like a Mercedes minivan with a, with with a built-in studio. Yeah. So we'll be in studio with Patrick, the gathering, and we'll be sitting around the living room of my RV, you know? (laughs) Hey man, I mean, I was, I was curious if I could come down to St. Louis and just do it in person, just because, you know, my experience with podcasts is that the in-person thing is so much better. And, you know, my buddy lives down there, but um, this, this seems to be okay. I got a stable internet connection. So that's always good. (laughs) (laughs) I had, uh, I had a a guest on, they called themselves the, uh, the, moonweeds not the sunflowers but the moonweeds they'll be on in a couple of more months and i have to redo the show because i've lost it oh i've lost <laughs> it and and i didn't hit record oh that's a nightmare yeah but they had to go to starbucks and then they had to go out to the barn and then yeah. they had to like three different places they had to go because the signal was so weak and they're out in the middle of rural america you know yeah so let's talk about your music, which I love to do. And I've been wanting to talk to you about this one f- for a specific reason. Okay. Oh, okay. 
before I got into this, I'm retired now, but before I did this, I was an exterminator. <laughs> I had my own pest control company. So okay. the first song we're going to play here, Sorry, so, Mr. Spider. More of a jingle than a song, I guess. Well, no, I, I just, I'm going to take issue with you because the spider knows what he's there for. He knows he's there to die. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, when I'm on the scene, he knows. When he saw my truck pull up and he'd see me in uniform or I worked for a national company for a while, I sold my business. And when I moved to Vermont, I took my you know 25 plus years of experience and brought it to a national company and worked here and I, that was always the joke that they they saw me pulling up in my vehicle or in my uniform and i'm doing a very good job of not saying who that was <laughs> but uh they, they just knew their time was has come and uh i had no regrets whatsoever although i will say to people all the time that spiders eat more insects and help keep the insect population in control oh absolutely you know so why uh why that song why that uh why that message why that story uh i honestly when i look back on it i know i wrote that song um nine years ago um and i remember like what i was doing in my life and all that but um i think it was just kind of a stream of consciousness thing um where you know i was just kind of in that headspace where i felt like i could write something uh -huh. and i sat down to write something and that's just kind of what came out as far as the verses and stuff goes yeah. and then i kind of just tied it all together with um i don't know i must have killed a spider that day and, and thought like that would be cool to like just that thought of like uh I, you know, because it says you'll never know why, um, and, yeah. and I guess you dispute that, but, um, <laughs> you know, because it's like an innocent spider walks into your house just yeah. looking for a meal or whatever, and you're, you're like, you have that ick factor, and you just you just have to kill it, and um, even to, <laughs> to this day, just because I've been playing that song a long time, and sometimes I find myself um, at a place, and people ask me if I'm going to play that song, and then I'm like, well, if you're bringing it up, I will. Uh -huh. um, but um, I just, it, whenever I find myself in that position in life to murder a innocent arachnid, I, I it's like the mantra just goes through my <laughs> mind. It's like, oh god, that freaking song that I wrote. But um, well, yeah, see, I so, don't, I don't know. So when I see a title, sorry, Mister Spider, I. I, I my mind goes racing and I, I went down a bunch of different avenues and I was really impressed with that consciousness that you brought instead. It was really almost an enlightening song, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I just, well, that, sorry, Mr. Spider. Okay. Somebody's writing a song about a spider. He's, it's either a kid's song or a novelty song. And then I thought, well, maybe he killed the spider. And so in my life, who would kill the spider? Well, I would. But if I were not doing that in my capacity, why would I kill a spider? And she's a woman, you know, <laughs> oh, in my case, my ex-wife or one of my daughters, you know, yeah. <laughs> but then I listened to the song and it's none of those. And it's actually pretty enlightening. I was, I was really uh, impressed with what you did with something like, I'm sorry, Mr. Spider, but you don't know why. And yeah. Well, uh, I think the other thing, the other detail that I want to add is that, like, when I look at those lyrics and it's like, what what was really going through my head? Um, and, you know, where was I in life? I think 
what and what I sometimes preface it with on stage when I play it, and my my band really likes playing that song with me. So I I it like I said, it's one of those things where I'm at the point where I'm kind of sick of it, but they're they always like it. So I'll, I'll do it for them or for whoever wants to hear it. But um, I just kind of preface it with like God, uh, like just squishing all the negativity out of your life, like getting rid of because I was kind of like got out of the dark time and it was like, okay, I think I'm good now. What can yeah. I get rid of from my life that I don't need? That's gonna, that just causes me pain or something. So maybe you can find that in the lyrics. I know that, uh, uh, Lindsay Buckingham said a lot of his songs are like Rorschach tests. Um, you just kind of listen to it and you get out of it what you get from it. And yeah. I don't know that I necessarily write all songs with that, thought in my head um but um i think that is either an excuse or an approach <laughs> that you can uh, give to throwing out more abstract lyrics but um you know i guess i know some songwriters they they say that they start with like a melody and then they just sort of scat and like the melody the harmony the rhythm they just kind of scat over it and throw lyrics in later uh -huh. in place of that and to me it's uh, I've never done that, first of all. And also, I think um, there's been a lot of, like, uh, one artist that comes to mind is Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Like, I remember him saying that that's how he writes songs. And I thought, man, you got some songs with, like, some really deep lyrics. It's, it's, I just feel like you would start with the lyrics and then just kind of fill in the blanks after that. But, you know, there's just a million different approaches. And I think you just, it, as a songwriter, you just experiment with them as you go on. And well, let's let's see works. how let's see how people react to this and see how right. we're going to play this one. Where this is Patrick the Gathering with Patrick Tecklenburg, and first song of his we're going to play is a song called "Sorry, Mr. Spider." This is not one of my best days. This is no reason to celebrate. I'm a dirty person with wicked ways. I am. Lousy bum with no class I'm only here to take advantage of you I'm not making any of your dreams come true Sorry Mr. Spider, but I had to squish you Sorry Mr. Spider, but you had to die And you'll never know This corner, where can I go to sing the blues? Because I've got all the time in the world. I've got all the boredom I could ever need. I've got a heart like a fire engine, but I got no place to plant this seed. Sorry, Mr. Spider, but I had to squish you. Sorry, Mr. Spider, but you had to die. Never know why Well, you were always my favorite enemy In death you complete me Maybe someday I'll miss your eyes Your venom and your silence Beginning and a middle and 
place where all the sinners start over I get cold when I sleep with someone else I get angry when I think about my hell I will be forgiven when the wind stops blowing I will be faithful to those who can't see Sorry Mr. Spider, but I had to squish you Sorry Mr. Spider, but you had to die And you'll never know Sorry, Mr. Spider with Patrick the Gathering, our guest Patrick Tecklenburg from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, on the Music of America podcast. Years ago, I got into an accident at work where I ended up spending the entire month on my stomach while my back wounds healed. I had scalded and severely burned my lower back. About two weeks into my healing, I realized I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks, so I quit smoking. Now, that method worked for me. I don't suggest it for anybody else. Thank goodness, though, we have a company called Laser Therapy South. They're located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but they'll do work all over the country. You just got to go see her. And since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people quit smoking, reduce stress, and alleviate chronic and acute pain. Laser Therapy South has developed its own unique approach to tackle both the physiological and habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. It's called Laser Therapy. It's an acupuncture-based treatment originated in Europe and Canada about 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is also your quit date. So the treatment, it's a, it's a cold or therapeutic laser. It doesn't produce heat. It doesn't cut tissue. And most clients report a feeling more like having had a massage after their treatment. Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth.com where all your questions will be answered. Check them out if you want to quit smoking. LaserTherapySouth.com, where being a quitter is a good thing. Patrick Tecklenburg, so you live in a small town and you end up in Cedar Rapids. Where was the small town you said you were from? I grew up in a small town called Humboldt, Iowa, which is about two hours north of Des Moines. Um, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's three and a half hours, or three hours without stopping to get to Minneapolis, um, mm -hmm. Sioux City and Waterloo on the other sides. But, you know, it's it's pretty remote and rural. And, you know, as a kid, we went places. But, um, you know, going to the big city was always like a, a, a real big deal and not just something you do every week or um, whatever. But anyhow, when my brother moved to Des Moines and went to college, I just immediately my older brother, I just immediately felt like I got to get out of there. You know, yeah. like there's all this excitement going on in the world and I can be a part of it as long as I just go to college somewhere. So I ended up going to the university of Iowa, um, okay. down in Iowa city, Minneapolis for three years after that. And then I actually moved back to Iowa city to get my teaching license and then lived with my sister here in Cedar Rapids for a few years, which is kind of, uh, what's kept me here is uh, having her family here, and um, it just seems to be a, a good spot for me. So that's why, why I've landed where I've landed. And, what do you What do you teach? Um, I'm a social studies teacher by trade. I taught middle school social studies for um, a, several years. Um, now I am just working full time as a substitute teacher at a high school um, and focusing on my uh, house painting business and playing in several bands 
Uh, as you may be aware of. <laughs> so. uh, side note, my favorite high school teacher, and it's been 50 years next year since I graduated high school, my favorite high school teacher was my social studies teacher. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we're a good breed. Oh, uh, man. We, we we had this. I had one, one exam we had. It was a political economic thought class, but it was the same instructor. And our final was one question. Why are farmers paid not to produce when people are starving? Now, that was in 1974, and I still remember that question. <laughs> That's a, well, there's a lot of variables to it. That sounds like yeah. a economics class, which is... It was political political and economic thought was the oh, class, okay. yeah, but he was also my social studies teacher. That's and, what uh, I studied in college, so... We also had a class called Humanities of Three Cities, so we studied the parallel of humanities of Athens, uh, Florence, and New York City. Oh, and and one of the things we had to do was like I did a, a presentation with music, so I went in with a buddy of mine. We played songs, and and that was that was such an easy A for me. But a real good friend of mine, we're still friends to this day, wrote a paper on, and we had to find art or beauty someplace where other people haven't seen it. So we took a poem and we put it to music, and that was that our art, you know. So you wrote, invented you invented hip hop, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I did. That, that was me. That, that was me. <laughs> but this, this other friend of mine wrote, uh, he worked at a at a department store in the snack bar, and he made pretzels. And his whole paper was the beauty of a fresh-baked pretzel. Well, Just amazing. And, and when I talk about Mr. Pep and Mr. Jack Pep and God rest his soul, uh, he didn't teach. He taught you how to think. Right, right. That's I loved that. Kind of the goal, yeah. So I... Kind of makes me want to, or wish I had gone to high school in the seventies. Although, you know, I look back on my experience in the late aughts, and you know, because as one does when they ref they one reflects on these things as one does when you work in a high school, what things were like when you were in high school, and how things have changed or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the things I learned, um, but and yeah, I mean. It's a good experience. A lot, of, a lot of things I, you think of the things you didn't take advantage of as a, as a teenager who had other priorities than to sure. <laughs> expand their mind through, to its full We won't go into what our priorities are in our teens. Right. <laughs> There's a, as diverse as the teens themselves. You mentioned several bands. So I know you said you do solo guitar work and you're with the band Patrick the Gatherings and you also play guitar for a vocalist. Yeah, I, so... I do solo shows, me playing my guitar, playing lots of harmonica and wondering if people are getting sick of that because <laughs> I, you know, I've, I don't do like a lot of fancy guitar stuff. So uh -huh. I sort of make up for it by playing harmonica maybe. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, Patrick, the gathering is me singing and with a rock band behind me um, playing guitar as well. Um, uh -huh. And sometimes getting to take some breaks from that, which is nice. Um, I did have a, ba a bad bout with uh, Tennis Elbow a few years ago. Um, and so that's kind of where that started, where I was like really wanted to get this grant band together so I could focus on or at least allow myself to heal um, and keep playing music. But then I, I play acoustic guitar, uh, rhythm guitar with Gina Owens, who is a singer um, from this area, from Cedar Rapids as well she um 
is a bit more uh, commercially successful than me. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I am happy to play second fiddle. She's she's a fantastic singer. Um, she's got a lot of great songs that you can listen to on Spotify. Um, and most of our shows, we, we sprinkle those in just kind of like with my Patrick the Gathering shows. Um, and then she does, you know, the Shania Twain, Taylor Swift, um, all that kind of stuff and does some, you know, stuff that is kind of outside of the country realm, but, um, does, you know, her own sort of twangy version of it. And so most of our shows, it's just me and her. Sometimes we got other people along with us, percussion, et cetera. So, um, I do a lot of those shows. They're a lot of fun. And if you're a country fan in this area, you've probably already run into her. Um, but if you haven't, you should come check out Gina Owens. So the the next song that we're going to play, I wanted to ask you about because something came to me when I, when I was listening to it. And the song is called Don't Deny. And there's a real dissonant chord that doesn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. And you make it fit. I thought that mm -hmm. was real interesting. And I was listening to a guy talking about one of the Beatles songs, how McCartney did with a certain song, what he was really interested about, how he took a song that was in G and then he moved it up and it was in B flat. And then he resolved it back in G and, and how he did this all on the piano. And this guy went through this whole thing. It's way deep in music theory, way above my head. You know, uh -huh. But it was really fascinating because it was a dissonance. There was a dis, uh, disconnect of what you would normally expect in the normal, you know, circle of fists and, you know, the, the, the chord families. And, and don't deny there is a chord that really just really stands out as different. Like, does this really belong here? And you make it work. Oh, well, I'm glad that it worked on your ears. My, you know, I'm not um, some super music theory snob either. So, um, but I do know, um, songwriters in the past like Joni Mitchell comes to mind um just kind of experimented with random crap on the guitar as far yeah. as like what if I put my fingers here and do this and how does that and you know ultimately you just have to trust your ears um and if it sounds like it works to you then it works and so I I, I think I kind of know what part of the song you're talking about but I just threw that in there just to kind of uh, escape sort of just the simple cowboy chord thing, see see if I could break free um, yeah. and try something a little out of bounds. But ultimately what I do believe as a songwriter is, you know, it's not about impressing people with your um, ability to know advanced levels of music theory or it's not about... Um, doing weird stuff sorry my dog's working but um it's really it's just about the song but if that's what inspires you is you know you're sick of just doing simple stuff um you can well, do that here, I'm, well. I'm thinking though and and i might be wrong it might be on might be on feel all right now <laughs> no that one is very uh very straightforward okay uh, okay then i went one, four or five with a little yeah. six thrown yeah. in there so that it's that I would assume it's this one that you're talking about, yeah. but um, yeah. So anyhow, that was my. I think that that was just a song where I'm like, okay, let's we're writing a song. Um, I don't know where really where I started with that one, but I know at some point I was like, let's just throw some random chords in there. Um, put my fingers here, see how that sounds. Yeah. Um, and just mess around and find something that you feel works and. Maybe it changes keys at some point. Um, well, that's what I thought. I thought maybe it's going to 
change keys, but then you resolve back to your. your yeah, it, it definitely resolves back to basically that cadence that you hear in the yeah. verses. But um, well, I thought, and and, and I'm going to use this from now on. I didn't think of Joni Mitchell, but you're absolutely right. That's what she did. You Joni Mitchell the hell out of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't really do like, maybe she did like open tunings and stuff. I just keep yeah. my guitar in standard tuning pretty much all the time. And because I'm lazy and, you know, like I said, I think you can write a great song with three chords. Yeah. Um, and you can also find yourself in a rut and get sick of doing that and want to try something uh, else out. I would say like uh, Radiohead is another band just when I was younger, kind of learning their songs mm -hmm. um, and just looking at the chord progression. It's like, wow, it looks like they were trying to experiment with some different harmonic structures here yeah um and so from time to time i've done a little bit of that myself i mean it's overplayed but i think creep did so many neat things you know well, and that's a very simple song too i mean we play that pretty frequently in my band and it's just the same four chords over and over but they're not, it's not one four five it's uh you know you got the major chord turning to the minor variant yeah. of it. um so it's but yeah it's just when you pair that with those lyrics and just see those weird looking english guys in the music video <laughs> and just that clanging guitar like it's it works you know yeah. it's it's all about i think nick cave said it's all about like taking two like disparate things and like slamming them together and you know, because he's got kind of a lot of that in his music, too, with just, like, this whole, like, spooky aura, but then sometimes writing things that are very sweet and heartfelt, but still have that in it. Uh -huh. You know, just the juxtaposition, I guess. So the lyrics you're not sure about with Dope Deny, where they came Lyrically, from? Lyrically, or... I think I wrote the song in 2018, and that was kind of a time um, where... I feel like I, well, I was training to be a social studies teacher at that time. So I was kind of well-versed in the news and in politics and the happenings around the world and hearing all sorts of stuff about corruption and, you know, the oligarchs that rule the world and stuff. And I'm um, just kind of immersing myself in a lot of things that I feel like I have since sort of disconnected from, but it's just kind of, I feel like it was just inspired by, just the corrupt people in the world um and maybe that comes through in the lyrics and maybe it doesn't um and it's just sort of like an indictment of them but um that is basically the best description of what i can say with the lyrics some parts of the lyrics i really like i think the version i gave you is like a demo from a few years ago because i am wanting to get into the studio and re and record a more professional sounding version of that but i recorded that in my friend's attic um in mount vernon iowa John oh, wow. shout shout out to weldonia tree farms is what he calls the studio i think um but uh that uh yeah so i feel like i might have changed some of the words between now and then because i don't get to play it too frequently because it's kind of one of those songs that if you bust it out um playing where I typically play, which is like bars and stuff. Yeah. It's like, you might, uh, you might kill the vibe a little bit cause it's pretty dark. And, uh, but then again, sometimes you get surprised on that kind of stuff. Well, let's give it a play here. This is sure. a song called don't deny with Patrick, the gathering from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 
messing around with the one who drags you down to the bottom of the river. The current gains traction, your mind collapses, survival falls out of favor. On the other side, you breathe fire and smile with dynamite dreams and rosemary. Isolate the variable. Dig yourself a deeper hole. the sparks fly, I'll be pantomiming, and all of his toys will be broken. The repair shop is closed today, you should have invested in bonds, my friend. Isolate the variable, dig yourself a deeper hole, kneel down. Don't deny you've got a favorite crime Don't deny you've got a scheme in mind Don't deny it happens all the time Don't deny, don't deny Trial and error should have drilled it Suck the marrow straight from your funny ball But you ran off with this significant other To a trial land where they let you dance Your golden garden hose proved valuable What a special day to play in the rain Isolate the variable Dig yourself a deeper hole Kneel down in the mud Don't deny the coming flood And don't deny you've got a favorite cry Don't deny you're knee deep in slime Don't deny you drank all the wine Don't deny, don't deny Don't Deny with Patrick Tecklenburg from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm your host, Tom Pollard, and you're on the Music of America podcast, The Jingle That Hits Like a Single. That's the slogan for Jingle Lingo, an advertising vehicle designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of all the musical jingles you may have heard through the year. Who came up with that jingle? Who wrote that? Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo 
custom made and custom designed with you and for you through the talents and accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your personalized music jingle from Jingle Lingo, www.jinglelingo.com. The jingle that hits like a single. I couldn't help when I was reading that copy, think of what you said about singer songwriter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and now I'm going to be plagued with that because I use that phrase a lot because of most of the people that come on the show, uh, I don't get a lot of cover artists. They're, they're people that are writing their own stuff. So they are singers, most of them, that write songs. So they are singer-songwriters. I can have 20 different singer-songwriters with 20 different, 20 different flavors out there. Yeah. You know, so right. it's, it's like what you were saying. It doesn't really do it justice to say just singer-songwriter. Right. And, you know, it's, it's two different enterprises, the, the writing and the performing, but they do sort of feed into one another in various ways as far as you know, going out and playing songs is an exciting thing to do. And that can provide a lot of inspiration to write songs, yeah. um, whether the songs you're playing are yours or someone else's. Um, and it's, it's all derivative anyway. I mean, every blues song is just a version of some other song that came before it. And, you know, not everything that has a precursor and it's just the next version of the thing that came before it, whether the person who created it really has that in mind or not but i just i just do what i enjoy doing and what makes me money and um as far as writing songs i it's crazy just because i i just want to record all these songs that i wrote years ago and i'm uh -huh. now kind of getting into the the rhythm of doing that and finding the time the energy and the money to do it um and then i just keep like i get ideas and i throw it in my iphone the one that like the notes thing that's backed up on the cloud because I don't want to lose it, but I just bank these ideas. And then it was even, this is like, I hate to like parade myself as like a songwriter and admit this, but it was like two years ago, almost two and a half years ago that I remember I was just having kind of this emotional moment uh, while on vacation. And I just, you know, just flowed like a river. Like I just sat there at my phone and just like wrote, 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 like just pounded out like two songs within the, span of a few minutes and they're still just sitting there like <laughs> I, I mean i'm just because i've been busy with a lot of other stuff and i want to record these other songs first mm -hmm. and then but i'm hoping that now that i've dipped my toe into the recording world that everything starts to move a little faster as long as i just keep doing it consistently um are there good can, facilities around you or do you have to go oh yeah to, oh okay. i mean in this day and age you can be in the middle of nowhere in the northern territories and there's probably some guy up there yeah uh who's got a recording studio and it's i mean and really honestly like i listen to a lot of music and i feel like that's important as a musician um to find like that sort of uh headspace where you can put on something new that and decide whether you like it or not and and appreciate music that way and i think even you know i'm not 14 anymore discovering rock and roll for the first time but i still um kind of have my antennas out there and there's a lot of stuff i miss out on too because it's just the way it goes there's so much music being made all over the world all the time but yeah. um where I was going with this was that um, I've listened to some records 
by a local that were recorded in the local studio and thought like man these sound great they're right on par with the other stuff that by maybe more well-known artists um as far as audio quality production value all that um so there's that local studio and you know a few years ago i was like i, I gotta get in there but then i discovered some cheaper alternatives um and one of them unfortunately is no longer in business but there's another one that i got my eye on more or less and i'm gonna hopefully i'm thinking november or sooner we'll see but um get in there and, and put some some stuff together but you know like as long as the person knows what they're doing and is willing to invest a few thousand dollars in the gear yeah. um, and has a decent space for it like you can make a really good record but with that being said if you don't have a good song uh your record with high production value is maybe going to get one spin and right. into the trash heap of history from you could have a brilliant song too and perform it poorly yeah. which gets me to where I was going to go with this. Would you rather be known as a performer? Like what, what, uh, where do you get your juice from? Is it more from performance or from having written a piece and have someone come up and say, man, it really, uh, it really touched me with that song you wrote. What well, fills you more? I don't really, um, get excited about sitting down to write things. Like I said, I just, I just got, uh, my antennas ready, I guess in a different way. Um, and then I got that iPhone in my pocket and if I didn't have that, maybe I'd have a notebook or something, but, um, I don't really set out to write stuff because I feel like I have such a backlog right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like in the long run, if you want to make a lot of money, um, as a musician or a songwriter, like that passive income that can come from royalties and stuff is, I mean, like when you look at the biggest names in the music industry as far as performers go like bruce springsteen taylor swift etc like you know they're uh they got you know they could just stop working tomorrow and just be set for life because they're, they're just going to rake in all this money from you know people want to use your songs in movies and in tv shows and commercials and stuff like that and i would love to make money doing that someday it's not necessarily the goal but to answer your question uh performing is definitely what gets my juices going i mean that's i just really i got hooked on it i think in high school the adrenaline or or just like the chemical what it does to my brain my body um where i feel most alive most most comfortable and then when i'm not doing it what i find myself thinking about um because i know like my buddy's dad is like a big time hunter and he's like yeah i spend a lot of time like just thinking about hunting when I'm not doing it. And, you know, that's, that's really, um, my driving factor. It's just, I want to keep doing it and I want to do it better. Um, and then I just, I get these ideas, like I want to perform there. I want to do this in the performance and, you know, it's, it's all just me going up there and singing songs yeah. either by myself or with a band or with another person. But, um, I just, I really, cause I guess when I was in high school, I did like uh, improv comedy and I was pretty, I think I just, I had the knack for it, like the talent for it. Uh -huh. And I just didn't pursue it when I went to college more. Um, I thought about auditioning, 
but I just wanted to focus on music because I also did music in high school and, you know, had a little band and stuff. And, and that was just more of what I wanted to do, but that experience of being on stage um, and just having that audience looking at you and saying, entertain me and like knowing what to do. Um, I think I sort of developed those skills pretty early and teaching is big in that too, because you got a bunch of eyes on you doing that. Um, and I don't know. I just, it's funny too, because with teaching, you want to give kids presentations and stuff and then they yeah. just freak out and you're like, this is like what sustains me and keeps me uh, alive emotionally is being able to get in front of people and like create this, these sounds going through the air and, you know, and it's been a long time since I ever, you know, really worry about screwing up and making a mistake or whatever. It's just like, cause even if it happens, I just, I know how to gracefully move on and all that. So that's, that's like my driving factor as a musician is I just want to keep playing. And I know, you know, the advantage of being a musician versus being like a basketball player is, you know, when your knees give out, you can sit down and perform. You can't play <laughs> basketball, you know? And so, um, you know, I might've not gotten all the attention from the girls in high school or whatever as a, as a sad kid that strummed the guitar, but you know, you can, the great thing about being a musician is you can just keep doing that as you get older and you can just keep getting better at it until you know your your facilities just cease to function. I guess so. I don't know. The Stones got a new album coming out, dude. <laughs> yep, yep. I I watched their little interview. I watched the music video. Yeah, they're near and dear to my heart. I got that poster right there. So. Oh, check that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. One of my favorite concerts. Uh, so oh, okay. uh, the Stones and Johnny Lang at Kemper Arena in Kansas City, and. Cool. Uh, at the time, the Stones were on the main stage, but they had a, a, a runway and then a little stage out in the oh, middle yeah. of the audience. Yeah. Because they yep. wanted to revisit that feel from back when they played in clubs back in England. Right. They strip it down. They this got... hand this hand touched every one of the Rolling Stones. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. I, was right I, by I actually I saw them in St. Louis two years ago. And oh, no kidding. They had done away with the B stage, I think, at that yep. point. So... And then I, Lisa Fisher was no longer the backup vocalist. That made me a little sad, but oh, no. um, the other girl was good too. So let's get to your last song, okay? I, and make sure I say it right. I feel all right because yes. if I look for feeling all right or feel yeah. all right or whatever, or I feel right, yeah. Just I'm as a quick as a quick aside, I think Steve Earle has a song called "Feel All Right," and it's on an album called "I Feel All Right." <laughs> to yeah. add more confusion, but my song. It is called I Feel All Right, and Steve Earle was not on my mind when I wrote it. Okay, well, let's give it a listen to here. This is Patrick the Gathering with Patrick Tecklenberg and a song called I Feel All Right. She is the opera to my ears. She is the antidote to all of my childhood fears. She's my sun and my moon. She puts the daylight in my day. And when she walks away, I beg her to stay For another hour She has a superpower When I am so sad To get me high To make me float like a kite And I feel alright 
at a time It loosens me up, it straightens out my spine And it heals my liver She doesn't mind my OCD Or any of my other obnoxious tendencies She absolves me of my sins me grin from ear to ear When I am in darkness She turns on the light And I feel Right with Patrick Tecklenberg from Patrick the Gathering, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Patrick, this is the section of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. You've got a lot of self-promoting to do, so just have at it. All right, I'll try to keep it succinct. Uh, if you like hearing me talk and want to hear my songs, you can stream them on Spotify. Patrick the Gathering is the artist. Um, the single is called I Feel All Right. You just heard it. You can hear it again at your leisure. It's not just on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Title, all that stuff. Um, Sorry, Mr. Spider is the B-side, if you will. You heard that earlier. Um, and I don't know if the algorithm buries it or something when you search for Patrick the Gathering, but I'm sure Tom will kindly post the links on wherever you're listening to this or something like that. Um, so there's that. Patrick the Gathering. Um, I do a monthly show at Up and Smoke Barbecue here in Cedar Rapids. If you're listening from Eastern Iowa and you want to come down, like I said earlier, if you want to fly from your faraway place to explore Iowa, I mean, hit me up. I'll be your tour guide. I'll show you. Uh, Grant Wood, who painted American Gothic, is from Cedar Rapids. Uh, he actually worked at the school that I work at and attended it too. Um, so we have the biggest collection of his paintings here. Um, he lived uh, in the neighborhood that I live in, or not far from it, I think. So, uh, anyhow, so my band, Patrick the Gathering, does a show every month. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, I think you might enjoy that. And there's basically usually at a bar with no cover. So that's cool. Uh, cheap entertainment, much cheaper than Taylor Swift show. Um, I also um, do do shows outside of Cedar Rapids solo. I'd like to get the band out there um, from time to time. And I play lots of shows with Gina Owens. You should stream her music wherever you can stream uh, music if country music is your thing. Um, what else do I want to promote besides that? Um, the Ideal Theater and Bar here in Cedar Rapids has been pretty gracious to me. 
um, as well as Gabe's. Um, that's all been good. Uh, Checkers Tavern has been great to me as well. So I guess this is more the shout outs. Maybe I should put a kibosh that's right. on that. Um, uh, probably missing somebody, but upcoming CDs, up, upcoming albums. Upcoming oh yeah, pieces. so good point. Um, I want. I am planning to get into the studio in November or earlier to record another single. Um, I want to stay on pace because the last one was released last December. Um, and I'm a busy guy. I got a lot of distractions in my life. Um, but I want to have another single out in December or sooner. And hopefully in 2024, have two singles out. So a total of four songs and just want to keep going consistently. Um, be of service to the listener, wherever you may be. Maybe write a song that uh, really inspires you to do what it is that you do or to just uh, keep living life, you know. So um, that's that's me um, in my little enterprises. Um and I, I love playing music. If you ever find yourself at a show and say, "Hey, Eric, and you want to, you know, chat me up or whatever," don't don't be shy. I'll probably give you a free koozie, Patrick the Gathering koozie. That's cool. Um, and um, if you uh, are in the area and want to know how to kind of like launch yourself into this music world, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm a teacher by trade, so uh, I. I and also, I took a personality test a few years ago. It says that I'm an advocate, um, which means that uh, I derive a lot of my satisfaction in life from helping others. So perfect. Um, that's that's pretty much all I got. There we go. Well, Patrick, it's been a blast. I know we will cross paths again because you come to St. Louis, and we're there in the winter time because Vermont's winters are they're not brutal, but they're long, and they can yeah. be brutal. So uh, we're in Missouri, November through April. Let's cross paths. Let's grab a hot cup of hot cocoa or adult beverage or whatever, okay? All the above. <laughs> Thank you. Patrick Tecklenburg from Patrick the Gathering, our guest. And that wraps up our visit to Iowa. Next week, Dorothy, we're headed to Kansas. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.